I'm going to start off the way Jason and I usually do, which is just looking into one another's eyes. It's a new development. And actually introduce the podcast. Quite right. Go for it. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today, and I'm joined as always by this motherfucker, the White Walker. Um, Let me tell you something before I say his name. He says I'm short, <laughs> and I say he's tall. I'm I so I looked at this up. I had a conversation with my wife, and notice we're not mentioning the W word. And Jason bullies me at work. And he just wife, says, he, says he bullies me at work. Complaints. He says I'm short, and she said, "Well, you're kind of not tall." <laughs> and then, <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm a, I'm above average. I'm told it's a good size." And uh, all men say they're above and, average. And and she said she said no 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 you you are if anything you're average height. So I went to where all people go. I went to the Google webs, and I looked up. I just searched term. What is the average height for an American male? Who in this crowd knows what the average height of an American male is? Five nine. Five nine. Five nine. No, that's it. It's five nine. <laughs> and what height are you, sir? Five ten. Boom. <laughs> And I'm 5'10 and 3 quarters. So. Nah, that's, <laughs> no. just, yeah. It's all 3 quarters all the way down. <laughs> it's almost a dollar. <laughs> He's a dollar shy. So that was, that was our podcast. Um, so anyway, I'm joined as always by my good friend, my best buddy, uh, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Thank you. You're very welcome. Pleasure to be here. And I'm never allowed to be in New York, so this is a pleasure. I allow it. Perhaps more importantly, we're joined by the good Prince, the Prince, Bonnie Prince Charlie. I am so honored to be here. I can't tell you. The first time, you know, I, I was, I'm a long time listener to you guys' podcast. Thank you. And I, you know, Please seek I, help. I don't know if you guys have the perspective that for the, those of us who are listeners, right? When you're listeners... You know, I, I've had the pleasure of getting to meet you know you in person tonight. I mean you for the first time, but Thank you. in in person, Josh actually speaks out loud, right? <laughs> but in the podcast, <laughs> he just kind of whispers into the podcast. No, it's a very breathy kind of a. It feels yeah, like his bedroom it voice. Kinda, it kind of feels like he's nibbling on your ear while you're having the podcast, <laughs> wow. and it's. Uh, right, it's do, do you yeah. make it to completion by the end of the podcast? <laughs> it's, it's a sexy experience, but the first time I actually got to hear you speak in person. I was just like, you know, for the benefit of your listeners, Josh actually has the ability to speak. He just chooses to whisper like a like a Spice Girl when he's talking on the podcast. Like and a Spice like Girl a spice is very girl. good. I like that a lot. Wow. He would uh, be Baby Spice. Right? Oh, hold on. We we have a question from Zareen. <laughs> Which Spice Girl would you be? There you go. Damn, that's a really good question. I'm 46, so I'd say Old Spice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, bar- barring that, I think the one married to David Beckham, he's pretty hot. The really skinny one? I don't, yeah, which one is she? Posh. Posh. Yeah. You're a baby spice through and the through. The short one. Yeah. yeah. You're baby spice. I'm baby spice. Is there a baby spice? Yeah. She's all grown up can now. You, can you do me a favor and name all of the spices? <laughs> Sporty spice, baby spice, posh spice. I'm lost. Oh. So yeah. spice. Oh. Scary spice. Yeah. Scary spice. Ginger spice. Ginger spice. I, I speak Spanish, so like all the spices have different names. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have the five names of the Spice Girls in Spanish, please? Yeah, in Spanish, yeah. La Spice Deportista, La Spice Bebe, La Spice que es tipo posh, posh, 
Salt is posh. <laughs> <laughs> Left by Philly Roja. And that's it. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Wait, Rioja? Rioja. <laughs> oh, okay. There's no word in Spanish for ginger. Uh, ginger, okay. See, that, make, that makes good sense. Charlie, thank you for having us. <laughs> thank you for being here. No, I, and I, I, uh, now I'm being serious. Like when we were at the, uh, the when you, we had you at the Stanford Drammers event uh, a yeah. couple months ago, you know, when you got up and talked a little about the whiskey, I, I heard you, and I know we're allowed, not allowed to talk about whiskey in the first half hour of <laughs> your guys' podcast, so I'm breaking the Started rules. But over. The first time, uh, the first time I heard you use the tasting note luscious in person, like ah. a, a tingle went down my spine. I was like, oh, "This is this is really happening. Oh, this yeah. is how ha- in front of me." It was just uh, so uh, to to have you guys here with us at Drammers Club is is exciting and a real honor for us. And thank and you, really cool. Thank you so much. This is very cool to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Right. We are now going to waste the rest of your time. That's, that's just, <laughs> so when do we drink? We're not going to yeah. talk about whiskey. That's we should true. at least drink some we stuff. We have a ton of super exciting whiskeys. Um, what uh, I think, do you want to start? You guys brought three uh, exceptional whiskey. One is a secret, I guess. Yeah. You took the label oh. off as we started. So let's, All hold right. on. But, but before we go too far here. If I already told you what it is, <laughs> forget. Yeah, yeah, I told yeah, you what it is. Ixnay on the I didn't way. know there was a secret. Okay. So the listeners don't, really know what the hell's going on. That's fair. So let's explain to them what tonight's going to be about. All right. Right? Jason. Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) My my understanding, Josh, when I I reached out to him after 10 or so whiskeys one day, and I said, what would you think about doing a live recording of your podcast here at at Drammer's Club? So you contacted him early in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And and he was like, uh, called, wrote back right away, said, you know, you guys had talked and you were you were in. And then he was like, uh, you know, why, why don't we make, you know, we know you like bourbon. Why don't we make it a thing where we're, you know, we'll make it a little bit of a roast. You know, yeah. like we only roast the ones we love. You guys, you uh-huh. know, uh, we'll, we'll shit on bourbon a little bit. I'll try to push back. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And then I hung up. And then, um, and then, uh, and then I, a, f- a minute later, I was like, it occurred to me. I was like, wait a minute. So I will be uh, supposed to be roasting scotch uh, get to a crowd of scotch listeners uh, where the defenders of scotch are their beloved hosts. Um, and to make matters worse, we're going to do this as the second whiskey event of the night when uh-huh. I will have already had 10 hundred plus proof whiskeys. So yeah. as usual, setting myself up for success. Yeah. But, uh, but Thank, yeah. Thanks for that setup, Mr. Bill Thomas. Yes. We really appreciate <laughs> it. Much appreciated. Cheers, man. <laughs> <laughs> so your 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 teeth are literally swimming right now. Yeah, no, I'm I'm reared up. You know, I figured because on the one when I thought of that, I was like maybe I should try and you know uh, measure it and try it. But I was like, oh fuck it, that's boring. So I'm planning to just say a bunch of dumb shit that I'll regret tomorrow. Yes, and, and yes. then in, yes. in the edit room, you guys can hang me wherever the fuck you want. Nah, That'll be no, fine. No. Yeah, there's no edit room. That's that's the reality <laughs> of this. But I didn't know we're shitting on bourbon from a great height. I brought a bourbon from Virginia. Did you really? Yeah, I yeah. flew up here with a bourbon you for know, everybody. This fits my plan perfectly because you know i know a lot uh, enough about josh i figured i had material you know he defends new haven pizza there's all sorts of oh, stuff nonsense, I can work isn't with. It? it's nonsense so my it's va- the best elijah knows what i'm talking about we my- have elijah a in the crowd how long did that take us to get it he started out by saying nobody knows i'm here i was like we're gonna talk about elijah being in the room so it's it's happening so my plan was basically to divide and conquer so my plan is to compliment you thank you and then shit on josh and then try to win you over by the end of the night. I tell so, you. Yeah. Anytime no. you want to shit on me, Charlie. <laughs> we are we are silver foxies. You wow. can you can wow. shit on me anytime, brother. 
<laughs> we are, from the, I, would, I would toast you on that, but I've got nothing in my glass. Yeah, we are empty glass. Speaking of which... Yeah, so what are we going to do first? Why don't we... What are we going to shit on first? Not Jason. Well, so uh, the, we, we're surrounded in the room by a collection of members of Drammers Club here in New York. Uh, and uh, do you to, Does everyone want to say hello? <laughs> Beautiful. And, uh, and everyone in the room kicked in some money so that we could bring some big bottles to the table. And when... When we heard that, that Josh wanted to trash uh, my favorite whiskey, I figured, you know what? I'm going to try to make this as hard on him as possible. So we pulled out a big gun. We Did have I? a 1971 Stitzel Weller bottle, a pre-Pappy Gorgeous. Van Winkle Pappy. Um, the sticker actually fell off, but from the research I've done, I think it's a seven-year-old. Uh, we opened up a similar bottle from 69 about three years ago here, and it was one of the nicest bourbons I've ever had. So I, I figure, all right, man, you want to come after this stuff? You gotta stare down that motherfucker. I can't believe you have your own hello from the Magic Tavern bottling. Like, how <laughs> yeah, that's used to the blue. Look at that. Wow, we missed a trick on so, that one. So we should have gone for three D bottle. I, I want to be really clear here. I don't think I ever said I'm gonna <laughs> shit on bourbon. I may have paraphrased. I may have paraphrased because I I do love bourbon. We've bottled plenty of bourbons. My preference is for the Scotch. That's a fair point. I was paraphrasing, and my general strategy tonight is to try to describe the, situa- the, the debate we're going to have in the most unfair, obnoxious way possible <laughs> as we go. When in New York. So, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. So I figure, it, let, me, let me try to summarize what I understand uh, the, the kind of in good fun. And we should say, by the way, in the spirit of all this, after we all do this, we're going to go to the comedy cellar around the color and, uh, and hear even more off-color jokes uh, starting around midnight. Fantastic. But, um, but my understanding of the general concept of the debate tonight mm-hmm. is that... Um, it, so it's it's not that you're going to shit on bourbon. It's just you think single malt scotch is the best whiskey out there. I know that, yeah. And so <laughs> it's it's not so much that you hate bourbon. It's no. just that you think of bourbon as kind of like your little brother. And it's a little brother that we might all call, say, a little slow. And, uh, you know, when he's not busy drooling or bumping into things, you'd be happy to help him, you know, and you're, you're, you have goodwill. Get him on the short bus in the morning so you'll free up your day to think about the deep issues, you know, smoke and peat. But, you know, it's... Uh, Did you just use the R word without using the R word? <laughs> Wow. No, I mean, but let's, it, that's more, I mean, if we're going to be honest. This is how you support bourbon? No, that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm describing what Josh oh, yes. thinks of yes. bourbon. Yeah. It's not that he hates yes. bourbon. No. He just thinks it's kind of adorable. Yeah. And, uh, it you is know, cute. you know, it's like, uh, it's sweet. You you would help it if you could. And, you know, in public, you'll, you'll maintain a polite veneer. But the reality is you think it's an inferior spirit. So moving on. Um, <laughs> so let me say this. So, yeah, yeah. So, and that's, that's, that's so you, you speak of well, Why don't we, uh, if I can ask yeah, Yoni, why don't we, we'll just, uh, we'll end the debate in practice by opening up the 2003 George T. Stag and let everyone try that. And then we can have kind of a mood conversation about other whiskeys. So we're opening with the, with the George T. Stag. We could if you that's want. That's a fucking great way to open. Okay, yeah. okay let's do it. Yeah. So I mean, most people in the room have already had 10 whiskeys tonight, so you know it's fine. <laughs> we spent the afternoon with Holly, and so yeah. she treated us very well on the Scotch side of things as well. Um, but, but I was going to say, so for regular listeners of the podcast, well, I've heard the story, I never assume anybody's a regular listener, so I just tell my stories over and over again. Uh, and so when we go down to Wild Turkey and we select with Eddie Russell, 
the very first time I went down there, clearly I have an accent. Clearly I'm from uh, a land down under or up there, as up you like, there. As yeah, you like to describe there. it. Yeah. And so as we're standing in the warehouse going through casks, I'm over in the corner and I pull out one and we taste it. And I turn to Eddie and I say, okay, Eddie, please take this in the way it's intended. This is as good as any scotch. And from that day forward, he's just simply called me Scotland. Uh, that's pretty much it going forward. And so we understand where we, where we reside. But what did you mean by that? What I meant by that, Joshua Haddon, is there was, a, there was a richness to it, a complexity to it, a development to the flavors of it. We are forever joking. And I don't know if this will make it into the podcast. It probably will, since there's no editing suite. But yeah, so, so and this is why I'm, I'm curious in, in hearing from you tonight, Charlie, is for us... If you read bourbon tasting notes, it's, it's a game of word search, right? Okay, where's the word oak appearing? Where's the word cherry appearing? Uh, where's the word vanilla or caramel appearing? There's not a vast range of words mm. to describe bourbon. Mm. And <laughs> smooth, it's smooth. smooth said mm. by Matt Lewin. We, we might call it kind of simple. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, let me, set, let me set the record straight. Let me set the record straight. Here's what I would say. Bourbon is fucking amazing. Very diplomatic. Period, right? But, but we, inferior. We, can, we cannot, no, I wouldn't say that it's inferior. We don't do that arm gesture. We, I don't no, say we do, we that. Don't, oh, we don't I don't do say that. this is inferior. We're what? from the team that doesn't do that arm I know, gesture. As a Jew, I don't even know why my arm is doing it. So, That's a nervous tick you I have there. Stop. <laughs> so, um, but here, here's, what, here's what I would say. Bourbon is so great because it is so unmistakable. The flavors, however, and this is the however, fit into a specific box that is difficult to get out of because you're trapped by a new charred oak cask. Trapped. And he said trapped. He did say trapped. Carry on. Uh, solitary confinement is that better, <laughs> right? But but with with other whiskeys, you're allowed to use different casks to change up the flavor. Now with bourbon, for you example, can, you can use a wide range of ex bourbon casks. Fuck yeah! <laughs> but, but, but right, but, but with bourbon, you can do something that most Scotch doesn't do. Is you could change up the mash bill mm. to affect flavor. So I think both types of spirit have their own merit. I don't mean to shit on bourbons. <laughs> If I, I mean, have, you already said you think single malt scotch is the best whiskey in the world. So best don't back it off. You know, right, just right. defend it. Hold the line. All right, I'm holding line. Right. So uh, I can I can respond in I think one sentence. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's this concept that scotch by scotch lovers such as yourself that scotch is a more complex spirit. There's more going on. You know, like I said at the beginning, mm -hmm. you see bourbon as your younger kind of simple brother. <laughs> it just there's just not as much going on in his head. And, um, you know, he's cute and, you know, he can, he can uh, you know, do neat tricks every once in a while. But ultimately, it's a little bit too simple for you refined, higher <laughs> sensibilities. So my, my response to that is, is straightforward, right? Almost all scotch, not all, but most, the overwhelming majority of scotch is aged in ex-bourbon barrels. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. yep. and, and when you put out these scotch bottles, you mm -hmm. prou proudly brag it's aged in ex-bourbon barrels. Without right? a doubt. And so I would put to you, as a point of discussion, that to brag that your scotch is aged in ex-bourbon barrels is like arguing that you are the world's tallest midget. <laughs> <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Which we know he's average height, so... 
five and, foot ten and three quarter. The news for your <laughs> listeners, which uh, you know is potentially breaking news, is you don't have to settle for the scraps that Josh and Co are feeding you of that bourbon flavor. You can actually just go straight to the source and get the full bourbon flavor. You don't have to settle for just the little drips that come out of the barrel wow. to help the scotch along. So let's let's end it with this because we need to talk about the whiskey in hand. <laughs> I will say bourbon does an amazing job seasoning casks to produce even better right. scotch whiskey. It does a wonderful job taking the harshness out of new charred oak. It's clearly a wonderful solvent. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, gosh. I'm no, I'm no chemist. Seems to be a good solvent. You know, uh, uh, another, another way of saying that, which, you know, of course I wouldn't say that, but say someone might say, hmm. is that, um, you know, Scotch is kind of like whiskey with training wheels, right? It's not really proud enough to go ride out on its own, but strap on a barrel of bourbon on either side, and everything is right as rain. Listen, you had me on. You had me at strap on. So, talk to us about this 2003 George T. Stag. I, I love George T. Stag. It's obviously you know made at Buffalo Trace. What I think is probably you know my favorite bourbon distillery in the country. Okay. I uh, absolutely adore it. We've you know tried a whole range of their products here at the club. We had the honor of having Harlan here speak one year, um, and you know there's there's a ton. But what they're doing there is just so exciting. And this one is probably my favorite. You know, it's obviously very high proof. This 2003 was a little bit less high, but um, this uh, I, I when you said let's you know bring out some big bourbons, you know, kind of def- you know so exhibit A for the defense. I figured, all right, well, yeah. let's bring out a stag. You came out punching, man. Yeah, well, we got another one. What about the 2003 sets it apart from 04, 05, 06, et cetera? What about this one makes you say, wow? You know, actually, I like all of them. It just happened to be we had one of these on hand. Um, but, uh, oh, okay. you know, I think actually probably, probably the 04 would be my favorite. But I really like the 03. This is, this is lower proof. Most of them were in the 140 range. This is 120s. Um, yeah, 128.2. What is that for ABV? I can't do math. 64.1. Ah, there we go. That makes sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Does everyone have a glass? Yes. Ah, cheers to you all. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Great to be here. Cheers. I'm Prost. Cheers, Charlie. Cheers. Shitting on my chest later. <laughs> Best Cleveland steamer yet. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Yeah, partly you took it over the edge. (laughs) I said said it's a dick podcast with whiskey jokes. My my favorite joke that I tell my kids, the one about the constipated mathematician, he worked it out with a pencil. (laughs) (laughs) All right, raise your hand if you've been in Dreamers Club for a year. This always works great in an audio podcast. All right, so, yep. so yeah. just so everybody yep. knows, that's probably 80%. Actually, scream real loud if you've been in Drammer's Club for a year. <laughs> the neighbors are loving S- this part. Scream again if you've been in Drammer's for two years. <laughs> Three years? Oh, it's locating itself in that corner. <laughs> <laughs> so part of the reason why I was really interested in, in doing this live podcast here is A, I love doing live podcasts, but B, Charlie, I love Drammer's Club. I love being a part of Drammer's Club. And I'm in a, in a few different whiskey clubs, but there's none that I know of that's like what, what you've created. And so 
I really want to know, what was the impetus? What was the spark for creating Drammers? How have you helped it evolve, and what do you see in the future for Drammers? Oh, thanks, man. I said, uh, it's an honor to have you guys here. You know, it's, this is something that I didn't create. Uh, I was a member at the beginning. Uh, right. It started in 2013. A guy who was a whiskey salesman at Astro Wines around the corner was... Um, you know, basically, there was 10 of us who came in all the time asking nerdy questions, and they were saying, uh, you know, what's new? Can I try something? And eventually he said, you know, you, you dorks should meet each other, and uh, invited us all to a Chinese restaurant, uh, and was basically, you know, he'd bring a rare scotch, a rare bourbon, we'd split the cost of the bottles, we'd order Chinese food, we'd, you know, get to know each other, we became friends. And that monthly meeting was the idea of the club for a good year and a half. Um, that guy, uh, Stephen Winch, who moved back to London, where he's from, to go work for the Whiskey Exchange, then another guy took over named Keith uh, Chong, who's uh, not here tonight, but he ran the club for another year, and then he had to go back to school, and they asked me to, to take the reins. And um, up until that point, it was, a, it was a smaller operation. We had maybe 15, 20 people on the list on any given night. We might have eight or 10 or whatever. It was, it was a very you know, tight group. Um, but I, you know, I wasn't working on the front lines of a whiskey shop, and as people were moving away and having kids and couldn't come as often, I figured we needed a new model because we weren't having, you know, we we're kind of losing people over time. Yeah. So um, it took a few months, and I recruited a guy, uh, Marlon, who was a, a bartender, my favorite bartender down at Brandy Library downtown. <laughs> and he and I took a few months and rebooted it, and our idea was, why don't we bring in guest speakers, and we'll start, uh, the idea is it's an invite-only club, but friends can invite their friends, mm -hmm. and we will slowly bring in people who, you know, can appreciate a good spirit. Um, and then over time, I, I was traveling a lot, and I thought, wouldn't this be fun? We've got these great, you know, in a, in a space of a year, we went from 15 people to 400 people. Holy shit. We were getting, you know, Bill Lumsden and David Stewart and, you know, Mickey Heads and all these, like, great huge... Scotch whiskey makers. Yeah, huge. <laughs> Harlan Wheatley, by the way, Buffalo Trace. But yes, and um, uh, Al Young from Four Roses, uh, Sally recently passed away, and we had some you know, great relationships. And I thought, you know, we could maybe... Um, uh, continue to expand this, and so we opened up a chapter in Los Angeles and London, where you know our founder was Stephen, and uh, we've been kind of taking it from there. And now we have chapters in you know twenty cities around the world, and twenty cities. Yeah, so huh. a lot of the, we, it's been recent. We've kind of expanded to some, so a lot okay. of them are newer. Uh, Mumbai has been around for a year. London and Paris have been around for like two years. LA's over two years. Uh, Warsaw has been around for a while. Then there's some New Orleans, like Portland and Denver and Stamford, where Yoni, who's here in the room tonight, is the head of our chapter there. Woo! And um, he's we're overjoyed at, about it. Yeah, yeah. look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking couldn't be happier. Oh, that's right. Can, Yoni's now a Connecticut boy. Yeah. Well done, you. Yeah, we had an event there actually this past week with Holly uh, <laughs> from Krigelgi, who's in the room with us. And um, Hi, Holly. <laughs> and we're we're uh, in the next few months going to start up chapters in Princeton, in Baltimore, in D.C., in Charlotte, in Richmond, in mm. Vegas, in Seattle. And uh, my dream is to build a global network of whiskey lovers. And I always like to say at the end of the meeting, the whiskey is the excuse that we're getting together. It's the fellow whiskey lovers in the room that is the reason we're getting together. Yeah. And I tell people, you know, if you are in one of the other cities where we have an event, you know, obviously you're welcome to come. If we don't have an event, you still have drinking buddies in town. Fire mm -hmm. off a so note cool. to one mm -hmm. of our groups. Yeah. And you know, the, and let's go grab a drink. And so that's 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 what I'm trying to to build now. Um, it's it's evolved a lot from the beginning. When for two years we just met at a Chinese restaurant, and there were six of us. But uh, uh, but <laughs> can but you that's, believe how far it's come when you're now talking about multiple cities around the world? And you started off with 
six people in a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, no, I mean it's crazy. Stephen, that movie. You know, I saw Stephen last week, and he was, and you know, he always he's like, I think you're nuts, but you know, he comes to all the events and he's very supportive. <laughs> but his the the logistical headache is uh, he thinks is crazy, but I love it. Look, I love it. The you know, uh, this week we had a member of our Warsaw chapter in Tel Aviv and watching. All the you know emails and messages flying about them getting together Fantastic. to go grab a drink. Uh, you know that sounds awesome. And we've now announced we're going to go to Face Shield this year, and we're going to go to the Kentucky Bourbon wow. Festival. Yeah. And although we, the Campbelltown. Campbelltown too. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And although we mostly do time. whiskey, we also do other spirits. We've done stuff with, uh, with Velier. We've done stuff with. Uh, we, we actually did a Chinese liqueur night one night, but uh, we uh, right. we. We love Mezcal in particular. We've done three annual trips down to Oaxaca for Day of the Dead. And uh, we actually had a big Mezcal event last night. So, uh, you know, mostly whiskey. But, but those field trips and the idea of people from the different cities who love this stuff getting together, that just rocks my world. Tremendous. Where do you find time for just, like, non-whiskey shit? <laughs> oh, we're back to shit again. Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, when do you have your non-whiskey shit? He exposed shit? his chest. Huh? I assume that's what he was looking for. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners who are Scotch folks, um, the George T. Stag, Buffalo Trace, what type of mash bill? Is there a reason that I'm getting so much spice from it and so much dill? Aside from the fact it's 64.1% alcohol. The, the rye, of course. You know, uh, this is a rye bourbon. And it's, uh, I actually, I love weeded bourbons myself, but the, you know, the rye, you're going to get the spice, the pepper. Yeah. And so. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It's gorgeous. I would not shit on this. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. See, I like him. This guy, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've always, I've always said that about bourbon. I've always loved it. Such a fucking liar. <laughs> they don't. It's, it's not. A, it's a non-age statement whiskey. Yeah, but they so. tend to be older teens, don't they? The George T. Stags. I actually, it, it, Bill. Do you know? Fifteens. Fifteen says Bill Thomas from the back of the room. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, but yes. Uh, <laughs> do we want to open up one of the the scotches you guys brought? Actually. I'm not sure what the fuck to do after that stuff. No, 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 no. I don't want to open up that yet. Let's. We brought a pretty special bottle. Oh, all right. And a bourbon at that. Really, Mister Bourbon. Oh well, there we go. So we for our for our very last whiskey jubilee bottling, we did a marriage of a single bourbon barrel. Wasn't our last and, bottle? Was it not our, no, our second we did to last? A Sorry, a second year to last. Old. Yeah, I take that back. So our second to last Jubilee bottling, we did a marriage of a single bourbon barrel and a single rye cask. And the bourbon barrel, we wanted to do a 50-50 split. That's where the flavor seemed to meld for us when the, for the blend. This bourbon barrel had 12 bottles worth of whiskey left. So this is one of 12 bottles that we're pouring. Never released, never available for sale. Yep. Uh, we actually, we do a Giving Tuesday event the day after what, Cyber Monday, after Thanksgiving. And, um, and so for people who made a $500 donation, they would go into the, the draw. And uh, we actually shipped four of these to people who got pulled out of that hat. How much did we raise for our Giving Tuesday event? 55000 this year? I guess 55000 or $65,000, somewhere around there. Yeah, something like that. That's incredible. And, and, the way, and the way that we did it is... Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, all nation members. All fantastic. nation members. Yeah. And so, it's, so we've got a little. So the question was, they, where's the money go to? Yeah. And so we've got a little wrinkle where you just send the money to the, your charity of your choice that you want to support. Send us the receipt with your personal details redacted, and we enter you into the drawing. And so it's not even us guiding the charity. It's just whatever is important to you. Nope. 
Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah. yeah. And so many, many, many charities benefit. And it's just a little impetus for Giving Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we ended up giving, uh, giving away eight bottles. Yeah, no, you guys have been an inspiration for our club for a long time. Oh, thank you. Gosh. Cheers, man. Thank you. So do you want to talk about what's in the glass right now? I know we talked on a little bit. I feel like I'm going to give you the opportunity to save your bourbon position. All right. So what's in everybody's glass is from a single, it's a single bourbon barrel. It's 12-year-old MGP, and we put MGP right on the label. Um, we, we, as Single Cast Nation, always want to champion... Yeah, yeah. Fucking Dave Schmier. <laughs> Fucking Dave Schmier. Dave, Dave Every Schmier's in the room time. this evening tell us, uh, telling us with the age of it, it would have been LDI. Yes. He's not wrong. He's so, not wrong. So Dave Schmier brought his calendar <laughs> and saw that 12 years ago, MGP was known as LDI, Lawrenceburg yeah. Distillers, Indiana. I do have to say it's a smart comment because when we bottled the 25-year-old light whiskey... So we called it Seagram's because of the alignment of the date. And so, yeah. So this is one of 12 bottles in existence. None, w- none ever went on sale. Like Jason had mentioned before, we use them specifically for, for auctions and our own. Pr- Jason, this is Jason's own personal bottle that, that he brought. So, um, and it's I, all and right. I, it's only bourbon. Oh! oh! See, I was about to say something nice, and then, you know. Ugh. But what I was going to say was, you know, we've done a number of events with, with, uh, with you and Impex and the various mm. exciting brands you guys do, and you guys are always Cheers, incredibly generous, whether it's the Swim Bottle or, you know, oh, yeah. Super yeah, Ribbed yeah. and Darren's yeah, and different things. So uh, you guys have been incredibly generous to our club and, and, uh, and continue it tonight until that comment. So then now, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> If we can get out of here without a fuck you guys, we haven't done it right. So the fact that we've covered that is very good. Um, no, but it's, it's like we're all saying, I think all of us in this room agree because we're here for Drummer's Club. Without this community, without people to drink it with, share it with, talk about it with, it's just liquid in a bottle. And liquid in a bottle isn't particularly exciting. It's the sharing of it and the discussing it that becomes much more interesting. Absolutely. So. You know, what I gotta say, you know, the, the idea of tonight, the kind of like roasting each other a little bit, and we only roast the ones we love. Part of what I love so much about your podcast is is the you guys roast each other in the podcast. We do our best, and you know, it just I love it. You, you don't take it too seriously. At the same time, you're going into the 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 deepest weeds of any podcast out there. Admittedly, at, at the greatest length of any podcast out there, but uh, <laughs> but it's. Um, I told you it was a good size. <laughs> I didn't take it out for air. But it's one of the things. It's it's one of the reasons that uh, that I listen to your podcast first every week because uh, I just love the, the yeah. attitude you bring to it, the kind of the, the the community element that you guys clearly get and and you know share. So. Thank you, Cheers. thank you, thank you, thank you. Cheers. Nothing to follow that with. There's no joke on the back of that. No, it's there's just, nothing. Like, uh, thanks, man. Well, I was, you know, That's I, very kind. I gotta say, I was expecting. Jesus. I was expecting Josh to come in hard on the bourbon, and instead he went to the diplomatic, like all oh, whiskeys are great and I like, and that's wonderful. He's a man of a certain age. He doesn't come in hard on anything what? anymore. So. <laughs> those, those days are behind him, Charlie. Fucking hell. The thing is, he's not wrong. But uh, <laughs> experience, <laughs> men of a certain age, men of a certain age. How old are you, Charlie? I'm 41. Oh shit! And fun fact, uh, I didn't start drinking until I was 32. Wow. 
Right. Yeah. Not a, not that's, a drop. That's, that's so Jesus age. Isn't we had, it? 33. Oh, 33. Oh, 33. Wait, Sorry. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So why? You might you might say I've been catching up, but um, yeah. so, so why why was it? No, was I didn't. A, I didn't have a good. And honestly, it was I. It was almost like stubbornness for a long time. I didn't drink, and then at some point, you know, people ask why don't you drink, and I, I if I was to be honest, I was like I don't really know. But you know, it's yeah. my parents didn't really drink. I think I just kind of absorbed that, and and then at some point I was just like yeah, I don't really know, and uh, and then you're like fuck it, zero to sixty. Yeah. So, uh, well, could you describe a little bit about um, what you're tasting this? Because I, you know, I haven't heard you describe tasting notes on bourbon before, Josh. Well, let me, let me, let me. <laughs> I mean, so, other than like, I don't know, there's some vanilla, vanilla, maple. Okay, okay. Let, let's play label note bingo. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> every time you hear a bourbon word, shout out. I was actually going to suggest a different drinking game because I feel like. Josh is in, in in your tasting notes on the podcast. Part of what I love about it, you're throwing out words that not everyone uses in in the taste. And I, if I was going to try to describe them, I might describe them as slightly more effeminate than yeah. other people's tasting notes for whiskey. So I was going to actually suggest that tonight that we would nominate someone in the crowd, and yeah. I think Matt Lauren or so. Matt, would you be? <laughs> yeah. That if at any point if if Josh uses an unusually a usual tasting note. That maybe we could describe as slightly more feminine. <laughs> that uh, you just you throw what do you got? You like a you like a, a red? Uh, yeah, whatever that is. You're gonna throw hit that, me uh, with the pepper flag? No, and just then gonna raise it. I was just gonna raise the pepper. No, no, no. It, it has to be an audible thing. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, hand, hand that hand that over to. All right. So. Oh boy. So, rim job. Oh, rim shot. Rim shot. Okay. Uh, There's so, no low-hanging fruit too low. You're learning yeah. this, okay? <laughs> okay, so the tasting notes on the label are as such. A wonderful Indiana bourbon that offers up notes of sweet creamed corn, chocolate-covered espresso beans, and burnt vanilla beans. By the rules of the game, everyone now has to drink. Yay! Oh, yeah, everybody <laughs> drink. All right. <laughs> So it goes on and it says, a rich, oily mouthfeel that's made better by the zesty rye spice. The finish is long and pleasant with a lasting warm oak presence. Yo! Hey! We, we had got to one oak. oak in there. No <laughs> vanilla, no cherry. <laughs> oh, that was well done. Those notes were written by professionals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who wrote them, but they're clearly professionals. Yep, nope. Oh, who writes the tasting notes on your bottles? <laughs> professionals. Like, like in general, on all your releases. So yeah. over over yeah. the history of single yeah. cast nation, we outsource who, it. Who writes those? Notes? China. <laughs> <laughs> so the tasting notes we both write together as we're nosing and tasting, and what what we just read are truncated tasting notes. We do have full nose palate finish notes. And so we'll write the nose palette finish notes. We'll massage them so that they read like... Do you get a happy ending with the massage? <laughs> All the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, no, we always tell people we, we put our kids on the school bus. We go into our respective offices, his in Connecticut, mine in Virginia. We FaceTime, and we write label notes and tasting notes, stone cold sober at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> We're not stone cold sober by the end of the tasting notes, but we certainly start that way. Yeah. Cup of coffee, tasting note, and away we go. Checks out. Yeah. And so in the end, I'll come up with these long notes, and Jason's really good at truncating things because I can get wordy. Yeah. Really, you could say, I'm the massager. (laughs) 
And I've seen a few happy endings. <laughs> so, are we ready for whiskey number three? Yes. Sure. Well, and that, now it's the balls in your court, my friend. I guess, yeah. but I mean, you know, you said tonight you were going to come after bourbon, and you presented a bourbon lovingly. So I kind of, I'm calling a little bit of bullshit here. <laughs> this is a, a little bit of a fake out. Oh, you, you, you want us? So the audience is crying for scotch. Let's do one more bourbon and then Let's we'll get the bourbon out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do one more, one more, one more bourbon. bourbon. Yeah, the Usador bottle. Oh, right. shit. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, this is a big bottle. So. Oh, no. okay. Hold on, hold on. Oh, no. no one comes okay. He's showing okay. a little leg. I like that. So, what is being poured? What is about to be poured right now? A little unicorn. Yeah. It, and this is. People. So, let's talk about bourbon for a second here. Oh, now, finally. Right. Welcome. So, people say. <laughs> Pappy, George T. Stagg, uh, the William LaRue Weller, uh, all unicorn whiskeys. And these days, no doubt about it, they're unicorns. I totally get that. However, many thousands of bottles are made annually, year over year over year. What we're about to pour now is the first independently bottled Glen Farkless that Glen Farkless actually agreed upon. Just, so, just before we... Just before... Yeah, yeah, and I'm sorry to put a pin in that. Pin it. Thank you, Yoni. I just want to... Because I just took the last of my, my bourbon there, the one of 12 bottles, I don't know if anyone else got a huge gingerbread presence from the 12-year-old MGP. Like, that's something really special. And yes, you're going to get some ginger notes and some scotch. We just talked about it in one of our, our earlier episodes. It's going to be cask influence. But that level of gingerbread is connecting the raw ingredients to the cask. And I will give bourbon its due. In that particular moment, I think it does what it does absolutely beautifully. So Yeah, like I said, I always liked you. I thought it was Josh was the problem. <laughs> I yeah. get that a no. lot. A lot. <laughs> So sorry, Joshua. I will unpin you back to Glenfarkless. Can I, can I tell our audience the little Glenfarkless story? You do you, man. Okay, thank you. Uh, and again, regular listeners may have heard this. We're, we're now into our fourth season of doing this podcast. I have no more stories. I'm, I'm a married father of two who lives in Virginia. I, I've just used all my fucking stories. I'm only in New York right now to get more stories. So, so this is why when Charlie shits on my chest, I will have a new story that I can tell people. This, will, this is exciting for me. So thank you for having me in the big city. You know, anything I can do to help, yeah. <laughs> The, the number, of, number of people who live in my town is fewer than the number of people who live in your building. So <laughs> I, am, I am very nervous right now. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so one of the things for us, um, when we, we get asked all the time, how do you have a Glen Farkless? And so it's a, it kind of goes back a little bit. I'm going to back this up, Joshua. Back it up. So when I was at the University of Aberdeen. Aberdeen! Thank you. Get that a lot. Uh, when I was at the <laughs> University of Aberdeen, we had a whiskey society, and the whiskey society would buy octaves of Glenfarclas from George Grant, and we would get a car somehow by hook or by crook, and we would drive to the distillery. We would give them the money for the octave, and we would stick it in the trunk of our car, and then we would drive it back to our halls of residence. What years are we talking here? Uh, this would be ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine, oh, okay. two thousand. Okay. Yep. Um, and so once we got it back to the halls of residence, we would stick a plastic hose into the octave 
and we would start sucking on it like we were siphoning gas. I, I know, I tried again before you, Joshua. Um, like we were siphoning gas from a New York City streetcar. Um, I know streetcar means something different over here. People in Scotland are loving Does that. Does it? People in Scotland are getting that joke. Um, <laughs> it's killing in Scotland right now. Um, streetcar? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, Stella! So, uh, yeah, it's not my only Marlon Brando impression. You should see me with a block of butter. You could have been a contender, my friend. (laughs) Continue your story. So we would put the hose in, we'd start siphoning it, and we would just start pouring it into tall, clear rounds. And and then we would print our labels on the university printer, as one does, and then we would glue them onto the bottles. And we would sell them within the Aberdeen University Whiskey Society for £22 a bottle, uh, which at that point was probably around $11 a bottle. Um, or, or it would go the other way. Yeah, you go the yeah, other way. Probably, so 44 It's probably 44 yeah. right? So, but so, still, right. single cast, cast strength from an octave, out a college boy's, uh, the boot of his car. <laughs> I like your use of college boy. <laughs> Have you been hanging around? Well, hello, young people. How are you this evening? <laughs> hello, fellow young person. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm only here for the college boys. Forty-four dollars for yeah, yeah, and and because that was potentially too expensive for some people, we also did half bottles, and those were fifteen pounds a bottle. Yeah, this so is the, a total random aside, but yeah, in the last uh, episode in particular, I feel like Josh, you you uh, you nailed this accent of being an old person in a, a just extraordinary way. Would you, for the room tonight, just demonstrate your 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 yeah. old person Josh voice? I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Do it about erectile dysfunction. Every time I try to get, as the kids say, a boner, oh, I mess my belly up. And by mess, I mean ejaculate. <laughs> So, so have you heard the episodes where he's done the Quick. underwater voice? <laughs> yes. Quick! The underwater voice is even better than the old man voice. <laughs> my daughter, so we, every, every year we go to Walt Disney World, and my kids love the Nemo, or the, like the Finding Nemo ride, and there's like a... You know, Disney's all about the fucking waiting line, right? And so they try to make the waiting line uh, experience fun. And in the Finding Nemo ride, you there's all lights around to make you feel as if you're going underwater. And so as we're starting to go down, down, I'm like, hey, girls, come on this way. We're about to get into the water. Come on, guys. So, yeah. it's uh, It never gets old. <laughs> Apparently in this room, it's really fucking old, though. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, a shout-out should be given. Since this was, you know, allegedly by your presentation, a bourbon versus Scotch smackdown, the actual king of bourbon versus Scotch smackdown just walked in the room, Robin Robinson. And so, hey, Robin! Uh, round of applause for Robin Robinson! <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, was one of our earlier guests on the podcast. Yes, he was. He did a, an excellent expose on how to sell whiskey. Yep. And he, he got a name call in our mailbag episode. No, no, name check, name check. When I when I was telling the story earlier about how we kind of reformatted and invited guests, uh, Robin was the first uh, mm. guest we had. 
I had gone to a bunch of his uh, his talks, and I always thought he was mm-hmm. one of the most knowledgeable and and and, and you know just kind of fun people to listen yeah. to and I reached out to him and uh, he immediately said yes for which we're always grateful after yeah. I said Robin came speak everyone else said well if Robin speaks then I can come speak there to you, the club. you could do a and, lot um, worse Robin Robinson he'll come to the opening of a Coke can that sounded awfully like you were ass tagging that and I got a little concerned okay Robin, I'm going to be ass tagged by Robin later. <laughs> Robin, I want you to know that uh, that Josh proposes to be a bourbon versus uh, Scotch Smackdown. I proceeded to come up with some zingers for Scotch. At which point he complimented Scotch and introduced a, uh, a bourbon, <laughs> and then introduced a bourbon to the room. So he is totally cheated on the, co- the, the format the for the night. I actually thought you played Jedi mind tricks because you already ran so hard and so fast against bourbon. All we've been left to do is pick up the pieces and say, no, it's lovely. It's lovely, Charlie. You should really like your selection. Why don't you like the bourbon as much as we do? <laughs> Jeez, Charlie, that's a little harsh. And then you shit on it. So, so the whiskey that is in everybody's glass, this is actually, this is our, f- not our first, our second, what we like to call double cask nation. And so when we worked with Glenn Farkless, thank you thank so much. You. When we worked with Glenn Farkless, um, we selected two casts, and what we wanted to do, you know, some, sometimes I feel the spirit character can be hidden by a sherry cask. This is why bourbon barrels are so perfect for scotch whiskey, because it lets the scotch whiskey spirit shine without getting too much in the way. So perfect, However, Charlie. Training wheels, yeah. So perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> however... However, Glenn Farkless is known for being a sherry cast matured whiskey, right? But we wanted some of that distillery character to shine through a little bit. So this is a marriage of a first fill sherry hoggy and a second fill sherry hoggy. If you think of a cask like, um, and don't get dirty, like a tea bag. <laughs> um, the, first time you, the first time you use a tea bag to, to brew your tea, you get really dark color, you get good flavors out of it. The second time you use that, a little less color, a little less flavor. So compare a tea bag, not tea bagging, but a tea bag <laughs> to a cask, and it's the same thing. So a second fill cask is going to let the spirit character shine a bit more. And so that was the aim with this. Like, let's present the sherry, but there's a spicy character to this that is very much a Glenn Farkless spirit note that we didn't want hidden. You know, Josh, it, it, this brings up an important point, I think. I was, I was thinking about, you know, the differences in the, the patterns of scotches and bourbons that are released out there. One thing that struck me is that scotches are, are much more frequently finished in other spirits. Yeah. Bourbon, there's a few out there, but for the most part, bourbon presents as bourbon. Rye presents as rye. Yeah. Um, scotch, for the most, uh, there's a lot of scotches that are celebrated or loved because they're finished in sherry or port or different um, finishes. And I, I was curious, why do you think it is... This feels that, like a setup. ...that scotch is more frequently finished than American whiskeys? Well, first off, you've got to... Well, first off, you've, you've, got to, you've got to look at the laws. I mean, obviously, for bourbon to be a bourbon, for rye to be rye, you've got to use the new charred oak cask. And granted, there are finished bourbons, finished ryes. See, I don't uh, think the laws are getting in the way. I think it's just there's less of an they are now. interest... Yeah. In, Right? Uh, Dave Schmier, who's in the room, 
Uh, from Templeton, right? Was that, was that right? Oh. oh! See what I did there? Little zing. That's not the first time. <laughs> I did that on purpose. But, uh, Dave, hey, Dave, can you, would you mind, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, would you mind coming over here? Because I've got a question for you. It's an impromptu interview. Come on up. <laughs> We're dying so, up here. Help check, us, Dave. Check. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, so Dave Schmier is, is the man who brought America Redemption Rye way back when, and now you've got Tumbling Dice and the Ambassador and so many, so many great whiskeys that you do. Don't forget the rum. Oh, the funk. <laughs> the <laughs> funk. Um, but as someone who's familiar with submitting labels to the TTB, Oof. right? I don't know if I'm going to speak. <laughs> so, but no, like the, the, laws, the laws around label submissions have changed regarding yeah. finishing casks no. if you want to put an age statement on there. Lift up the mic. Lift up the mic. You yeah. need to... We've now um, got Save Demir like in the room answering I, this question. I, I can't speak to that because um, I don't trouble. finish whiskey in, in wine or port or sherry. Uh, mainly because I'm old and I, I'm set in my ways, but more more because I do all my production down in Kentucky and I can't check the barrels every day. Oh, and okay. I find that again because we, you know, we get a lot of flavor from those. That the most common thing, and, and Bill talked about this a little bit earlier, that you find a lot of bourbons and ryes are overpowered by the finishing. By the finish. yeah. So I don't play around with it. But I will tell you, it, it, it's a weird kind of thing because bourbons and ryes that are finished aren't technically bourbons and ryes. Mm. So there could also be other stuff done to them. Yeah. I'm not going to mention any brands, but you could, if, you, if you put a finish on a bourbon or a rye, you can also add sugar and other flavoring. Uh, so, yes. It's not really bourbon anymore. Once you put it in a finishing barrel, it's not bourbon technically. And the label is misleading because it says the, the, tech, the name is bourbon finished in sherry cask or wine uh, cask. Okay. So then you're allowed to play with it. And some people don't and some people do and you don't know. Okay. But Dave, let me ask this, right? Because it, Angel's Envy and, and there are products out there. We're not naming names. And, well, <laughs> but that have succeeded. There, there's really not uh, an, just an uh, obstacle. Uh, on the Angel's Envy thing, and Wes, if you're listening, Angel's Envy began on the redemption line, uh -huh. just so we know. Good. But, but my point is, what I'm, what I'm interested in, and I asked Bill this earlier, is why is it that, there, that scotch is finishing in other spirits so much more frequently? And, you know, it's, it's clearly doable. Angel's Envy does it successfully. Yeah. There's other ones that are celebrated. But it's just so much more um, common in the scotch side. And I, that's why I'm curious. Why do you think that is? There's a, a two-parter there. Uh, no, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily demand thing. Oh, you can grab the mic if, yeah. So, so, so for, first off, let's, let's talk about the history of why scotch whiskey was matured in sherry casks or wine casks or rum casks. It's, there, was no, there was no cooperages to produce new charred oak for scotch whiskey. In fact, the, the classic cask for maturing scotch whiskey is claret wine. And then it goes to sherry, right? Think, if you think of the UK, there was a period in time when the UK was such a massive consumer of sherry, 
and Spain wasn't bottling sherry in Spain. They were actually sending the casks up to Scotland. It would be bottled in the UK. It would be sold in the UK. And now, all of a sudden, the Scotch whiskey producers have vessels to put their spirit in. Right? So, so that kind of makes sense. The finishing part of it... Now that's interesting. Because to me, it, what you just said is nice, but it's kind of a cop-out answer, right? I mean, but it's Sco- a true answer. Scotch companies have barrels that used to hold scotch, by definition, it's, right? You gotta follow the money. And so, yeah, I there you go. Like, like Robin said, follow the money. You need a mic, Robin. If you're gonna talk, you need a to mic. Me, to me, okay. Robin Robinson says, "Follow the money." Yeah, there you go. So, so, so in this, you have to follow the money. So, what happened? Um, everyone's heard of the whiskey lock, right? So if you haven't heard of the whiskey lock, the whiskey lock, um, and that's L-O-C-H. And at one point, um, the world decided we're not drinking Scotch whiskey anymore. And if you look at the rise of American red wines and vodka and lighter spirits like that, you can see the reason why. And this was like all over the world. You know, Kentucky distilleries died. Japanese distilleries went down. Scotch whiskey distilleries all sold, right? So the lock means is a, a Gaelic for lake. And the joke was that there was enough whiskey sitting in the warehouses to fill a lake. And that's where it became the whiskey lock. So now, so here you have now the idea that um, nobody's selling whiskey. And all of these malts, for example, were not sold as malts. They were sold as blending components for blended Scotch whiskeys. That's still the economics of Scotch whiskey to this day. 90% of all the whiskey that comes out of Scotland comes out as a blend. Comes out as a blend, right? And when you look at the output of most distilleries, save, let's say, Ardbeg and Glenmorangie, they're owned by a a luxury company, um, 90% or 95% of all their whiskeys are going straight to blends, right? So blends rule, right? So what happened? At one point, you have to create variation. Now, if you look at every vodka bottle, you understand what the economics behind that is, right? If you look at the word terroir, right, and being used right now all through whiskey, everyone's trying to create variation. You have malt whiskey that has slight variations from one to another at that time, and everyone needs to bring another layer of variation. So it's all market-driven stuff. It's market-driven stuff. So David Stewart from, uh, from uh, Belvany was the first guy to actually do a double barrel, right? This is back in the 1980s. It was an experiment, but then marketing says, hey, wait a minute. I actually have a market for that. Mm-hmm. These are for people who like this, you know, but now here's another thing I can actually go out and I can get my salespeople um, excited about. I can get the retailers excited about. So when you start following the money, you start seeing where the whole prevalence of finishing came from, from Scotland. It's a single grain whiskey, right? Malts are a single grain whiskey. Bourbon at least has a mash bill that you can actually vary and you can do a whole bunch of different things with, you know, and you can fool around with the Coopers and stuff like that. Scotch was coming out of Scotch, right? And it was either... It was what? It's more up to the blenders. Meaning? Like the blenders would decide what they think it's worth. Like Right. Uh, the blenders would determine, okay, I want this. So like we were tasting Kregeliki tonight. So the whole, what's the whole, the whole idea of Kregeliki, right? That was only released, what, seven or eight years ago as a single malt? Yeah, how long ago, Holly? Yeah, how right? long ago? <laughs> 
2014. 2014. Okay. So yeah. So what? what Six years now. We're running right. out of mics but, in this room. This yeah. is fantastic. But what? 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 What, is, what was Krigelike? Krigelike was a base malt for Dewar's blends, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And it brought you know it had the meatiness from the uh, from the worm, uh, the worm tub. It brought this whole other bottom note, right? That Dewar's wanted in their blend, right? So then you start releasing. But now, hey, I got a new product. Yeah, I got a new product, and we're going to call it meaty, you know, and we're going to bring a whole different flavor profile. So this is where Scotch is interesting. They let it. You know, talk to Bill Lumsden, right? Bill Lumsden is like the king, right? At one point, Glenn Morangy had nineteen different finishes, nineteen different finishes out of it. And I remember, wow. I remember years ago. Tasting a 21-year-old Glenmorangie that was finished in port. And I said, wow, this is interesting. I can't taste Glenmorangie in there anymore. Right? That's, you know, that's yeah. a struggle, that was right? the, the, well, that one, And I think you're absolutely right. That's where, that's where the brands actually have to find the equilibrium mm -hmm. between what is really market acceptable and what actually still brings their, um, uh, the, the core value. Right. Well, and the, this, the this ultimately is why I was asking the questions, Robin, because it's, you know, for, for people who, I, I, I kind of, sometimes I tend to think of the, the Scotch Cheers, Robin. versus you, Robin. bourbon debate is like, you know, we are here in New York, like the Mets versus the Yankees, right? You know, and the Scotch is the Yankees. The Scotch is, they've been around longer. No. They, 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 I think they're more like the Boston Celtics, if you ask me. Oh, that really split the room. They've 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 won more awards, but whenever whenever you try to have a conversation with someone like you who thinks single malt scotch is the best, um, you can't really have a debate because all the be like, got rings, bro. You got rings, and it says, do you realize how many rings we have, bro? And it's just like you can't have an intelligent conversation about it, but. My point is on the finishes, right? I mean, like, for a product that you're so proud of, I'm not going to say you keep hiding it. I'm just going to say you're wearing a lot of makeup. You know? I, like, uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. It's like a model. Like, would you just like a model without any makeup and you just put it on a Victoria's Secrets? Like rainway. I like no, where this is you going. You put yeah. all the makeup, you put everything on it, and then it will be a fabulous scotch. All right, so Same. that's what it is. So, so let me, let me, Charlie, let me give you the realists slash cynics explanation of why there is so much finishing in Scotch whiskey now. Back in, got real. Back I in the eighties, back in the eighties, whether whether it was uh, David Stewart or Bill Lumsden later on with, with Glenn Morangy creating finished products, the Scots people and Jason, you can attest to this, are a frugal people. Frugal, right? Frugal. If you think of distilleries, all they are are factories. And when you're running a factory and you have to pay people and you have to pay for raw materials, you want to pay as little as possible. So maybe you use your cask two times. Maybe you use it three times. Maybe you use it a fourth time. And remember the conversation before, casks are like a tea bag. The more you use it, the less it's offering up. So a lot of producers are ending up with casks filled with whiskey that's in second, third, fourth fill. And so what do you do? You finish them to bring life into that whiskey. And a lot of that is happening now. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just that is the current nature of the industry. You know, we were, Jason and I were talking to um, a cask broker 
when we were in Scotland two weeks ago, and the majority of what they're going to offer up is refill bourbon casks, which we know we're going to have to create a re-racking program to ensure that we're able to produce whiskeys that are delicious, but as they are now, not delicious. So I think you're going to see more and more finishing bringing life back into that whiskey because of the propensity to use well-used casks, if that makes sense. Holly is jumping in at this Ooh, moment. Fuck yeah. I know I have something to say. <laughs> right. I got something to say. It's uh, kind of back to Robin's point, not to bring it to the business kind of ugly, not romantic side right. of whiskey. but You can tell us how the sausage is made. <laughs> it's also the, the halo effect, right? So you don't want people to stop thinking about your brand. And this is for the core, core yeah. distillery. So, you, you know, okay, you forgot about Glenmorangie. Well, guess what? We have this new finish. So here's a new way yeah, to explore it. So right? it's continuously keeping everyone engaged. Like, hey, when was the last time you had Glenmorangie 10? Look, we have this new finish. So now you can remember to go buy that 10 mm-hmm. or that 12. So it's that reoccurring, uh, don't forget about us kind of mm. momentum that, that goes through it. At least yeah. that's... So it's, not, so it's not necessarily about the spirit. It's as you and Robin are saying, it's about the marketing of said spirit. Yeah, how so do you feel about that, Charlie? I think it's, it's a bit not, of both. If I was going to try to restate it, it's really not about how the flavor of the spirit tastes. It's really about the money. Yeah. <laughs> you like that answer? Always. <laughs> and that's and Robin, that's the first thing Robin said. Follow the money. Yeah. Follow the money. Can I make a suggestion, by the way? Because I see some empty need, glasses. Yeah, need, yeah, yeah, yeah. More whiskey would be good. I, I, I see some empty glasses. And, and drammers get really cranky when their yeah. glasses get empty. Quite right. I can like we, you more every can moment. We, um, can we get into what I consider the headliner of the evening? I would love it. This is, um, and the, the members in the room contributed to make this possible. Thank this you, members. A, uh, a 1971 pre-Pappy Van Winkle Stitzel Van uh, Stitzelweller. And... Um, Sweet fancy Moses. You should start calling it Stitzel Van Weller, though, Stitzel. just <laughs> just for shits and giggles. And now we got some Stitzel Van Weller. I just I up. need to make one point. Unfortunately, yes, um, there is a uh, debate online about whether these old porcelain yes. decanters yes. Um, have a because there was a lead glaze. Yes. We're going to live. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. We have a we have a doctor in the room. Yes, we have a doctor in the room. <laughs> Um, be, whether or not the lead has gotten Stick into down. the thing, the general consensus from what I can tell, and uh, I am definitely not a doctor, is that as long as you have a half ounce or, or, or uh, every porn. whatever, less than six months, then it's fine. So we're going to say normally at Drammers we let, normally at Drammers we let, uh, if you want more, you can have a second pour for this tonight just because of this uh, health concern. We're not going to let anyone have a second pour. A secondary factor is that our members at our L.A. chapter heard we were pouring this tonight and begged us to save some for them. Uh, but, oh, uh, good on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's too many people in this room for that to happen. Let me reel everybody in here. Charlie, you said this is not the first time you've had this whiskey. Well, we had a 1969 version. We've never had the 1971. Oh, okay. This was a series, um, and if you look on the bottom of the barrel, I think it calls it the, the Fitzgerald Collection, or the port, and the, it's the same uh, creator of the porcelain thing, and I have the old one actually on the counter back there oh, okay. from 69, but it's been, that was actually in 2016 when we opened up the last one, and I've been saving this one for a special occasion, and I thought, you know, uh, Bill said it earlier, it's... Um, uh, it's not about you know. Uh, it's really about when when are you going to open these bottles with the right people? And I couldn't uh, I couldn't be more honored to share probably my rarest bourbon I have in my apartment oh. with than with you guys. Thank you, Cheers. Charlie. Cheers to that. Charlie. 
to Charlie and to Drammers. And Drammers. And Drammers. Bill Thomas, can we ask you a question? It's a, it's a, it's a softball. Don't you worry about it. Yeah. It's so, a softball. So this is Bill Thomas of, of the... <laughs> Come closer. Come on, please. Come closer. Please. So this is Bill Thomas yeah. of the famous Jack Rose bar. This is it. Bar. Uh, and we should uh, say, by the way, uh, we had an event earlier tonight with, where Bill was presenting in connection with Wilderness Trail, which we're super excited and honored to have him here. Yes. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you, Bill. Very, very simple question, but one that I think we get caught up in a lot. We've got a 1971 Sissel Weller. Mm -hmm. 1971 is a very sexy, attractive, older number. Right. I feel a bit like us, right? right. <laughs> you've got Jack Rose. You've got access to a lot of older bottles just in your own life as a whiskey guy. How yes. do you go about tasting where you're not romanticizing the age? How do you go about saying, just because it's a 71 Stitzel Weller, there's still an objectivity here? Or is there not an objectivity here? Is well, it I, I, Unfortunately, with decanters, you always have to set aside any preconceived notion of what you're going to be drinking simply because the seal is often compromised mm, and you okay. get that oxidation there. Okay. And you do have, obviously, uh, evaporation more. It seems to be more prevalent amongst okay. uh, the decanter. So definitely with decanters, you have to completely put any preconceived notion of even what Stitzel is. Okay. You know? And just let the whiskey absolutely speak for itself. Obviously, this is 71. This is what I would call generation two. It's uh, uh, before the distillery actually was sold. Um, okay. So this is basically the last year that the Van Winkles were running, 71 to 72. Oh, um, right. And then after that, you know, you had, you know, Julian Jr. stay on with an office there and, and started reviving, buying up barrels and, until they moved it over to Lawrenceburg okay. to Old Hoffman Commonwealth. So with this one, obviously, you know, I, there is a little romance because already I'm in the Generation 2. Uh -huh, I'm already yeah. in my head. I'm uh -huh. like, oh, this is uh, Generation 2. But yeah, with Stitzel, unfortunately... Uh, I do think it is one of the greatest all-time whiskeys. I mean, I don't, I don't think there was a reason that it has become legendary, and it wasn't just amazing marketing. It was mm. a fantastic whiskey. Amazing juice. Um, yeah. Amazing juice. So, yeah. so, so beyond that, whiskey writ large, I've had, I've had 1929 Lafroig, I've had 1953 Glenfarclas, 1964 Karazawa, 1971 Stellar Witz. If, if he drops Stellar the mic in a second, Witz. you're in trouble. It's fucking he, he's really leading up to a mic drop right there. Christ. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been on the wrong side of the family. You just spend the next hour listing amazing scotches. That's what you do, and then you just walk out. Going to have a whole episode to the amazing, just to his list. But it's so, it's so, it's so simple when you sit down to a whiskey of that age, right? To just love it, no matter what's in your glass. I almost wish I could taste them blind. And somebody would then come along and say, well, actually, that whiskey that you love was a 1953 Glenfarclas. Right. And then you retroactively go, oh, I love it even more now. Right? Right. And so, so how do you go about even just tasting something that's got any kind of age on it and taste it objectively? Or, or can or you? Or do you? Yeah. You know, I, to be honest with you, I mean, age, especially in the, in the bourbon world, is not necessarily the best thing. Sure. Let's face it. I mean, we, we tried some amazing whiskeys tonight that were three years old. Uh, yep. We've tried amazing five-year-old bourbons. Mm. Um, so, you know, for me, setting aside the age or setting aside the decade, really what we're going back is a time in the decade and mm -hmm. the 70s. And there is a bit of romanticism for me, the 60s, the 70s, as being the golden age of the ultimate whiskeys. So, if anything, I'm coming in with an insanely 
harsher. Mm. Because if it's not living up to that expectation of what I consider to be the golden age, if anything, it's a harsher criticism than uh, than a romantic. I'd like if it is not there. I get upset if it's not living up to your expectations. Yeah, yeah. So I think with anything, I'm judging more critically than 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 romancing it. That's fair. And uh, you know, and I and I think there are some old whiskeys from the past in the bourbon world, prohibition whiskeys being one that I think are Mm. over romanticized. Okay. Mm. You know, I don't I I, I don't see them as being the wonderful whiskeys or you know. Okay. So I I definitely of all the years, the whiskey has to stand on itself. That's yeah. all it is. It's what's in the glass. Fantastic. You know? That's good to hear. That's positive That's to all hear. it is. All right. Wonderful. Thank Cheers, you, Bill. Man. Keep Thank listing you. great oh. scotches, though, because that was <laughs> delicious to hear. So. Cheers, man. Got a, Just to use qu- one of your words. <laughs> a question right behind you. <laughs> so how do you overcome proof and tasting? So we've tasted some really high-proof stuff, and we're yeah. now mm-hmm. at a pretty low proof, but it's a big whiskey, and it, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe getting lost a little bit. Um, it's hard because to, of the high alcohol. Because the high alcohol, yeah. And now we're stepping down. Is there, is there a, is there something that you guys have come across that is successful? I mean, I like we've this all question. tasted we've all tasted a lot of whiskey, but like yeah, this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe. Charlie, what would you what yeah. what would your answer be to that question? Oh, this is the best pizza in, 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 in oh. probably in better than New Haven by oh. far. <laughs> but definitely. Give us the give us the name of the place. We did. Oh, oh, wait. No, you're right. <laughs> yes. I'll pay you later. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. no. Where, wait, where wait, is wait, really? You're going to admit New York pizza? This is guy. I, I am going to admit that this gorgeous gentleman right here <laughs> makes amazing pizza at Weeded. I know that, but you, yes. you're always defending. In Brooklyn, I hear. In Brooklyn. And so get, get on the mic. Okay, not now, o- we, not now only, we're into pizza. Okay? Not only, like, we put a pin in whiskey. Now we got pizza. So not only do you make amazing sour sourdough, sourdough based pizza, pizza, yes, but you are a pizza and whiskey bar, right? Yeah, we're a pizza restaurant that has a, a whiskey problem. Is what How I many say. bottles? Whoa, uh, we're about a right here. So, so Thanks, I don't Joshua. know if everybody in this in this room heard. We did pizza in Brooklyn. If you've not been there, has over a thousand bottles to choose from. Good grief. Yeah, we've got like a room of all-stars. This is fantastic. What's your name, sir? David. David what? Sheridan. Ladies and gents, we're, we're, we're getting near to the end of the podcast because we're on the penultimate yeah. whiskey. Charlie's unbuttoning his but, pants. Uh, we must be getting close to the end. But there was a great, great question asked, and I'm really curious to know your thoughts, Charlie, because I know you love your, and I fucking hate this term, Barrel proof. Oh, it's so terrible. Bourbons. What's wrong with barrel proof? Cask strength, my friend. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. um, you're, so, h- how do you how do you? Do you know, it's know? actually an interesting question because, yeah. like, you know, last week we did five events in five countries, and we're yeah. always showing with eight to ten whiskeys. <laughs> and um, the question of what order do you pour them in, which mm. I think is essentially at the heart of what David's yeah. asking, is you know, do you pour like tonight? We start off with two rise. Do we go? 97 rye, 117 rye, and then go back down to the 90 bourbon because it's fun to compare the lower proof rye to the higher proof rye. Or do you just, you know, uh, you know, one strategy that we use a lot would just be kind of slowly go up in proof across the night on the theory that when you hit mm-hmm. that higher proof, mm-hmm. you're not going to taste those subtle notes in those early ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say it gets more complicated when you think of, okay, well, this one's, you know, in the middle, but it's a peat bomb. Um, or it's a smoke bomb, mm. and that 
part of it more than the proof is going to blow out your palate, and Good you're point. not going to then taste that more um, buttery scotch or you know yeah. whatever is yeah. other in the lineup. So that that analysis of where to go will will sometimes actually take a vote in the room because there's often wide debate about what to do. I I personally really like to compare as you know uh, to isolate. You know, last night we did an event actually with uh, it was totally it was a mezcal event with our friends I'm from sorry I missed that. Yeah, it was our, our friends from Magay Malazzi who actually are in the room, Dalton oh. and. Yeah, oh, nice. over here. Um, Cheers. An incredible Mezcal of the Month Club. But uh, uh, the idea that I was nice to isolate first, let's compare the same agave in the same region, and it's just a mile down the road. Mm-hmm. And now let's try mm-hmm. that same agave that's wild versus a cultivated one. Wow. And like just try to isolate those particular notes. And yeah. so I really like for a room, to, uh, to the extent that uh, our club or any whiskey club is designed to help you know uh bring you know not educate the room but bring new things that maybe they haven't thought about mm. um you know what we did last night and other things i i really love that so like tonight we went from a low proof ride to a higher proof ride 117 we then went back down to a lower proof bourbon and there's some people who would say okay well you know you went high now you're gonna you're gonna blow out that lower proof but i i like as much as possible to pair to isolate let's see what is that really narrow yeah. difference and really appreciate that <sighs> And then move on. So it's more flavor driven than it is ABV driven. Uh, you, you know, when you can. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. Question from Solid. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold, on, hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Without this. Hold on. No words. <laughs> right, up to, right up to your mouth. Okay. Then. Maybe it's a question for Charlie, but do you know who the gnome next to Mr. Van Winkle is? Sorry. Say it again. Do I know who that gnome is? Well, on I'm, the side of Van Winkle. In the side, on the side of Van Winkle. No, there's, that's the, it's one of the Keebler elves. So, for the listeners who can't see this visual of the bottle, uh, we're looking at a. a uh, Oh, there we go. But you need, after you get the picture, to get this little cute gnome on the bottom by his knee that she's asking about. I think this kind of brings it full circle because I think in Josh's eyes, the guy in blue is the scotch, and this little cute guy at his knee (laughs) is the bourbon. Um, But uh, but the short answer is I don't. I have no idea what that little gnome is, other than it's a great representation of of uh, Josh's view of bourbon. Do you know the gnome is the average height of an American male? All right, so we, we have a question from Zareen. So a lot of what I enjoy about bourbon more than scotch, and I've been drinking both for about 10 years or so now, okay. is that there's like a nostalgia, there's an Americana, there's like a yeah. feeling with bourbon mm-hmm. that I don't get with scotch. Sure. So my question is, what's your criteria? My criteria? Well, I'm going to sit this one out as a Scotsman. You might guess my criteria. So. <laughs> I think for me personally, why I'm a bit more drawn to Scotch whiskey than I, than I am to bourbon is, is just the, the, the variation in flavor. Well, t- let, me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. My first, <coughs> Bullshit. Oh, my, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> my first ever experience with whiskey, not including trying to get from point A to point B, right? Uh, but my first experience with whiskey, just trying to discover flavors... I was at my synagogue. This was 2005, okay? And I go to my synagogue, and af- we have Friday night services. I'm at a reform shul. And, Lachaim, cheers. Uh, thank you. Todah um, Rabbah. And, and so after the services, we have something called an oneg, which is just a social gathering where you eat treats, sweets, you have some wine, what, what have you. 
And we had this congregant that would show up every Friday night with between four and six whiskeys. And one time I said, you know, I feel like trying a whiskey. So I went up to him and he had like, again, four to six whiskeys on the table. And I said, what should I try? The only time I've ever had whiskey was to get from point A to point B. And I didn't like being at point B. And I've never, because actually I went to point C, I think. And, and, and I just, people like this, I want to know what I should like about this. And he said, well, do you want to try something sweet or do you want to try something smoky? And I said, I didn't even know there could be a smoky. That's kind of cool. So he said, give this a go. So it was Lagavulin 16-year-old. And so as soon as I put my nose to it, flavor was out of the picture. Scent was out of the picture. What happened is I was instantly drawn back to going camping with my dad. I smelled that campfire. And what I loved about Scotch whiskey is it evoked, it did more than just Say provide me with now, a- motherfucker. Yeah. It, it did more than in, just in, in Robin's words, me. follow the money, yes. Ixnay. It more than just provided flavor to me, it brought me back in time to a beloved memory. And, uh, and, I, and I just, I followed uh, that rabbit hole. Uh, and That's a different never, story. Easy. Al- <laughs> Alice. Um, I never really found that in bourbon. Again, getting back, I love bourbon. But I never <laughs> had that, loves that sensory experience that can evoke memory. And it was from that point on, I said, I'm going down the Scotch whiskey rabbit hole. Here, here. Cheers. There we go. Okay, one more dram and we're out of here. Yeah. Oh, is that how it goes? Yeah. Okay. In the city so, that never sleeps, you have to go home. Yeah. So what's being poured well. is a surprise. Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to temper expectations and say, don't get too excited. Does everybody have a pour of this no, final not whiskey? Not yet. No, yeah, he only just started. Fuck. He only just started. You want to talk about this one, Jason? I literally did not remember us selecting this. <laughs> good day, good day. So what's coming around right now, did you say it's peated? It's not peated, but it's not. But it could be. I think it's the point. But it's not. So, ladies and gentlemen, calling your attention, Ixnay on the talking, what's coming around right now is the first ever double cask nation that we've done. And what Jason and I... Lauren, wheesht, Lauren. Yep, you don't say anything. You don't say a goddamn thing. I know you've got bottles of this in your house, wheesht. All right. Is everybody done talking? School teacher, check you. Check you. We're out here on this. Yeah. So Jason and I selected two first fill sherry octaves from the Kregeliki Distillery. Just saying, a lot of makeup. Little little nod to our good friend Holly in the room. And and here's the thing. I I'm, I talk about this all the time. I use the word cask all the time. And one of the things I love telling people is there's no such thing as a barrel. Barrels don't exist. There are casks, and the word barrel happens to be a size designation for a cask, meaning it holds 200 liters or 53 gallons. So how can you say they don't exist? Because they're not barrels. They are casks that are barrel size. Then is Scotch hog proof? So, someone just said I wasn't American. 
No, someone just said it's scotch hog proof. So. <laughs> oh, no. now you have gone. Casks of all sizes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, Schmier says we have barrels of all sizes in America. Oh, the, oh, the hair on the back of my neck is standing so, up now. In the cask world, you have things that are called octaves. You have things that are called quarter casks. And these are based off of a sherry butt, right? Sherry butt is 500 liters. So a quarter cask would be one quarter of that 500 liters. So what's that? Dude, I was waiting on you doing the Fuck math sake, real fast. Uh, 175? Nope. 100 Lower. 3,000. Lower. 850. Lower. 125. Yes. Okay. So a quarter cask is 125 liters. An octave would be one eighth a sherry butt. So what's that? 75 liters? Uh, I didn't do the math ahead of time. 70, 62 and a half. There we go. 72 and a half. I can't do math. Thank you. 72 and a half. We selected these two octaves that were phenomenal. And we said to ourselves, okay, we can release these two octaves, but this means we have to release two different labels and two different bottlings and two different SKUs to sell. And I said, you know what? Just for shits and giggles, let's marry these two casts together and see if the sum of both parts creates an even better whiskey. And in the end, it created, in our opinions, an even greater whiskey. So this is almost a quarter cask. Oh, um, yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. So this but is what? Larger, eight, larger than a quarter. Eight years old, nine years old. Nine years old. Matt Learn says nine. Thanks, Matt. Matt Learn says nine. So this is a nine-year-old first fill sherry Kregeliki from two different octaves. But it will never be for sale. It's already sold out. It's gone. It's sold out. Yeah, it's gone. So part of the reason. Yeah, tonight's remit was only poor things people cannot buy. As Robin Robinson says, follow the money. We are not good at this. So... Thank you for not spending any money on Single Cast Nation and, based on this tasting. No, but, uh, a lovely time. Let me just say real quick, because uh, it, it should be said, uh, you know, we, we try to collect the greatest whiskeys from all the different independent bars. We pour Single Cast Nation bottles at our events from Mumbai to L.A. and everywhere in between all the time. We poured a 13-year-old Kregelke in Stanford on Monday. Yep. The U.K. The, release, yeah. Yep, U.K., yeah. European. The, the, guy, the stuff you guys are putting out is, is, is magic. Thank and, you, sir. Uh, Thank so. you so Thank much. You. Although you should put out more bourbon. <laughs> I would. I agree with you. I agree. I, I, I agree. agree. I have a question. Yes. Oh. Johnny. 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 This is how questions are had. No. So this is very simple. So from a business aspect for you guys, oh right? Oh boy. So yeah, you know, I'm gonna bust your chops here. Oh boy. Right? Isn't bourbon? And I hate to say this from my perspective, as I am on the Scotch side of of the whole consumer <laughs> end. But isn't bourbon really driving a lot of the business right now for you guys? Yeah. Well, Based upon the demand. So here's the thing. And it's accessibility. It's also driving the biggest pain in the butt for us because we can't sell the bourbon under normal release. We can only sell under lottery. And so as a business owner, you want the easiest path to that money that Robin Robinson talks about. Having people sign up, having to do drawings, having to get people to buy their bottles through secret URLs is a massive pain in the butt. But it's the only fair option to do it now. But I, I would say, in answer to your question, it wasn't until we started bottling bourbons that Single Cask Nation, between bottling bourbons and creating a, a retail line where you, it's, it's more than just buying on our website, it's going to store shelves. It wasn't until we started bottling bourbons and releasing a retail line that all of a sudden 
single cask nation really took off. So now even our Scotch whiskey releases, right? Like our 30-year-old Bowmore, $395 bottle of Scotch whiskey sold in four minutes. Wow. 150 bottles. And so thanks to bourbon, thanks to bourbon, bourbon lovers who also enjoy Scotch whiskey say, oh, these guys are doing some cool things, rare things. Uh, I want to support them. So we, we, I don't think we'd be where we were if it weren't for the bourbons that we've bottled. No, but <laughs> but I and I also want to say well, with Bill Thomas of Jack Rose here from day one and Matt Luren of the only yeah, Lifetime Nation membership and Yoni, I can't. Quite I was really on. I was remember, on the Genesis. Remember right? At solo. No, no, no real tagline for Yoni. He's just Yoni. Right. Yeah. The three of you must be a little frustrated that there's no longer any single cast nation for sale. It just fucking disappears in minutes. Well, and also, you can thank Bourbon for that. Right, and also, isn't like your most prized secondary market whiskey or, or bottling out there it was the first Whiskey Jubilee? Correct. Which yeah. happens it's to be... a $4,000 bottle. Which Correct. happens to be a bourbon. Correct. So. Correct. It's mental. We have a question. Our friend, yep. Dal- our friend Dalton's in town. Thank from, you, Yoni. Uh, Dal- our friend Dalton's in town from, from Oaxaca. He runs the, the Mezcal of the Month Club we did the event with last night. Brilliant. And, um, yeah, here we go. All right, guys. Hello, so as, Hello, guys. <laughs> we have done so that. So as the podcast got started and I understood the theme, I was so eager to ask this question. And as the podcast progressed for three different reasons, I became terrified of the response I might receive. <laughs> um, I guess my question, after I reframed it based on what I just gave you there, <laughs> is if bourbon is the little brother uh-huh. To Scotch. Uh-huh. It's not. That just what? <laughs> Those are Charlie's that, words. Josh's. I take Josh <laughs> with his word. Whatever Josh says, like okay. I'm taking it in. What does that make mescal to people like you in the industry? And please don't say the crazy uncle because that's too easy. Uh, this isn't. That's easy the answer. reframed question. So you're in Oaxaca. Question. I'm in Oaxaca. So we're coming to visit you. Yes. Right. This is happening. Yeah. So so we have bottled mescal for single cast nation. Oh, awesome. and, and we've actually bottled oh, yeah, go, 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 go easy because he may be a mezcal purist and what you're about well, to that, say this may is anger what, him. This. I'm not a mezcal purist. I grew up in the bourbon industry and right. due to geographical constraints and I'm 30 years old but still feel like I'm living on a college budget uh-huh. that continues. Uh-huh. I just haven't been exposed since leaving the U.S. six years ago to bourbon. We don't get it in Oaxaca. Oh, and okay. mezcal was all around oh, okay. me. And what I opened some of my tastings with, and I mean no disrespect with it, that many bourbon and scotch drinkers evolve, which you might take defense to, yeah. to, to mezcal. mezcal. Yeah. Because yeah. I say rightly so, it's the yeah. most... Yeah biologically complex plant made in the most artisanal way. Agreed. And what I love about scotch and bourbon is the added element of putting it in barrels for X amount of years. I'm glad you're here tonight, Dalton. But the Oaxaca doesn't... And I'm glad you're saying this. Because when we we bottled bottled two mezcals, and so the first one was a 10-month reposada in a wild turkey barrel. They don't exist. 
It was wink, barrel in size. Wink. Yep. Uh, that we then sent to what? Why are to, you to against me on this? Because I like Charlie. He's going to shit in my chest. This is going to... Silver foxy stick yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. He's just right? like... You're yeah. just angling yeah. for the shitting yeah. on the chest. Yeah. Yeah. You want that yeah. Cleveland yeah. steamer. Midges can find their own way home. Silver foxy. That's going to hit your Adam's apple and slide down your neck. And then the second Continue. mezcal that we bottled was... And you can correct me on the details on this one. Five years in Tennessee whiskey oak... And then four years in Demijohn. And then four years in Demijohn. Okay. And so one of the things that we talked about in bottling those is obviously we're single cast nation. There has to be a cask involved somewhere for us to put in a bottle to be able to sell it. But as we learned about Mezcal, it was absolutely fascinating that when we talk about Scotch, new make spirit in Scotland, it will then go into oak for eight years. But you guys flip it. You do eight-year-old, ten-year-old espadine that then, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, that then goes the into bottle as white spirit. And I think the mistake people make is white spirit, we all know vodka, mm-hmm. right? And it's a race to the bottom. For me, thank you, mezcal <laughs> is fascinating to us because of, as you rightly said a moment ago, Dalton, that biological historical context, and we discussed historical context with Holly today, there she is, historical context came up there within Scotch, but as a wood profile. And Mm -hmm. I love the fact that you call it a biological profile. So for us, Mezcal's a first cousin. It's not a crazy uncle. It's that first cousin you get to hang out with, have a shit ton of fun with, blow shit up with. Speaking for myself here. I've always referred to, to Mezcal as... Um, whiskey in reverse. If you think about whiskey and the and the flavors that you find in a whiskey, 60, 70, maybe 75% of all the flavors that you're getting, and, and I'm going to use uh, Scotch whiskey as, as the signpost here, most of that, whisk, that flavor in the whiskey is coming from a cask. But the vast majority of mescals don't have a cask to provide flavor. You have age of the plant, and you've got fermentation styles, even different kind of, you know, fermentation vessels. It could be cowhide, it could be wood, it could be whatever, and then distillation and so on. And so the focus with mescal is on the plant, how old it is, what's happening there. The focus on Scotch whiskey is, what kind of cask was that in? That's interesting. How was it finished? What, what, kind, of finish? what kind of finish is it? What, what I, Dalton, what I love about mescal... Saw that coming. What Big I windows. Love, what I love about mezcal <laughs> is that you're getting a complexity of flavor that I think matches or rivals Scotch whiskey without the need for or use of casks. Mm. And I fucking love that. Yep. Well. Yep. No rebuttal on that answer there. Yeah. One thing I would say is one statement that stuck out to me with my project that you made was without the community and the experience and the discussion around it, yeah. it's just a spirit in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that why the Drummers Club has made Mescal part of the family as well is yeah. because it's about the discussion, the community, and the experience behind it. And oh. fuck vodka. What? We're, <laughs> we're, we're not getting out of here on anything better than that. Dalton, yeah. fuck vodka. Fuck vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for your time, your patience, your good humor. Cheers to the community. Enjoy all the spirits. Cheers.
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely will need a certain amount of shutting the fuck up. But if you if you have questions or anything like that, we except for Matt, we have. <laughs> we know that. Um, uh, we we do have a mic for any any questions that you might have. So can you pass me a bourbon before I have to deal with these scotch assholes? So I actually had a couple questions. As far as the rules of engagement, is it like all the sing- the One Nation Under Whiskey podcasts that we're not allowed to talk about whiskey for the first thirty minutes? <laughs> we we'd just talk about you know the, the movies and who talked during the trailers. Yes. And, but we're not allowed to talk whiskey for at least half an hour, right? For That's kind least, of a rule of the podcast. I don't even want to hear the word whiskey. <laughs> I don't want to hear any words that have a W H. I S K or Y in it. Yeah. And no E. And no E. Never. Definitely any. no E. No, yeah. Oh, we're in an E apart. Oh, we're yeah. in trouble now. Okay. I'm going to need a scotch before I have to drink all this bourbon shit. That's... <laughs>